0: welcome to the wolverine digest podcast the best spot for objective
1: authentic coverage of michigan athletics
0: if you want open dialogue honest opinions and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue this is the podcast for you and now here's your host brandon brown joined as always by chris Brandler.
1: I'm just gonna start by saying go blue. It's seven o'clock. Don't know on the f- dot. Well Dude. it's actually
0: seven oh one. When we started though, Travis Connor, what up, John Patrick? Good to see you. When we
1: y'all. started seven o'clock on the dot. No more
0: bitching. <laughs> Everybody could just pipe down. <laughs> hey, we got Dilly in the house. Dilly. Dilly is a is a real cool dog. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys uh if anybody out there knows about that book, we should promote that on the page, man. It's a really cool story, and uh, nice I'm to have you here, Penny. Here. I'll get you up to speed.
1: Do, dro- Do droids keep time? Somebody wants to know, Chris.
0: <laughs> My droid's always on time, homie.
1: <laughs> always. Oh, man. Well, glad to have everybody here tonight. We'll see what the turnout ends up being. But as everyone knows who is here right now, it is time for a fan-led Wednesday. We'll certainly talk about a couple other things until we get into that. What up, Trevor? As we were as we were kind of signing in and getting ready, and I'm like, all right, dude, you ready? You ready? It's seven o'clock, ready to roll, right on right on time. I've said it out loud and Chris has said it before, like, we don't have to do anything. We just show no. up on Wednesday. Nope. It's like this is like the equivalent. We're like the substitute teachers on Wednesday night. That's what it is. You just <laughs> we're, you show know we're up.
0: doing we're wheeling in that giant TV yeah. on, the, on the thing on the casters, you know, wheeling it in, putting in the, the shitty video and pushing play. For the audience, yeah,
1: you just you just walk in, you know. You watch uh, dodgeball or so. I don't know what what do you watch. I mean, you just put anything on,
0: <laughs> pretty much anything.
1: What's it's funny, dude. Uh, you know, I taught for eight years. Uh, taking a day off as a full time teacher was worse than just being there because you you're so worried about getting everything ready for that sub so they don't get absolutely destroyed in your classroom by. Again, I taught seventh graders, so you can imagine it was, it could be a nightmare quick.
0: Oh my God. Seventh grade is rough. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah, it's, it's rough. It can be rough. Um, but yeah, tonight we're the, we're just the subs. We don't, we don't know what we're going to do. There's no, there's no real plan. Could go off the rails easily, could go sideways. A little bit, a little um, bit. But, uh, but no, we're back. Um, you know, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it, Chris, because I think we did that earlier in the week, but the, obviously they're, between then and now four more Michigan state players suspended from this, uh, you know, this incident in the tunnel and the, on uh, the investigation is still ongoing. So I think like, you know, kind of all the stuff we said on Monday still applies. I mean, nothing, nothing crazy has changed. I think we both said it's not even close to over. I'm fine with what happened so far. There's going to be more. I think at the time when we were talking, actually the new, the ABC or ESPN video hadn't come out yet. Or maybe yeah, just yeah. did while we were on. It actually
0: did, yeah. It did the the day that we were on, or just before we came right. on, because I remember referencing like waiting for that to come out, and you had notified me right. that you, you had hadn't yet.
1: seen it yet. But I, I I had saw that it was out there, but I don't know if I had even seen it yet. But anyway, point being, uh, it's still not done, and from the sounds of it, these Michigan State players are going to be suspended until it's it's you know completely shut, what you know whatever you want to call it, so all the things are finished. Um, they're going to be, they're going to be watching from, you know, from their couch. And, uh, yeah. I just, like I said, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it today, but now that, yeah, I in and Fletch lives daily right there says that video wasn't that great. It, the video was fine. It was just that what happened took place like down the tunnel a ways. It was just far away, but you saw number four, Jacoby windman, put his helmet back on, get into the mix with Jamon green. You saw Kyrie, Crump. Yeah. Cause we did. We talked about Kyrie Crump. We talked. Okay. Yep. So, yep. So nothing super new has happened except for the suspensions have now come out. Um I guess just, you know, if you want to give a thought or put a bow on it a little bit for tonight. I don't know, maybe people will ask more stuff about it as we get going, but for now I feel like that's still kind of like one of the big stories and a couple new things did happen with a few more of these guys, you know, getting the boot for a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, as far as like the actual situation goes, I mean, I feel like it's, it's well plowed at this point. We've all seen the videos. We all saw what happened. I feel like, you know what, now it's just a matter of, you know, are there going to be more suspensions? Are there going to be legal repercussions that come from it? It sounds like that's, that's certainly at least the, the focus of, you know, some folks on the Michigan side to make sure that that happens. But at the end of the day, uh, to me, the, the, here's how I'll put a blow on it and appreciate that Shane Johnson. Um, I, this whole uh, ordeal has reminded me once again, just how many terrible people there are out there that use social media that should not have the privilege of using social media. Some of the comments I've seen, whether it's on Facebook, or um, Twitter, one,
1: one Graham couch being one of them, that guy. Of, did,
0: correct. through A lot. Yeah. Um, okay, it's just right been, I, I, you know, I get that there's, you know, there's a rivalry there and that people, you know, there's, there's a lot of passion that's involved, but I just, for the life of me, I can't, I can't come to terms with some of the stuff I've seen on social media, uh, specifically regarding this situation over the last, um, you know, handful of days. It's, you know, it's, unfortunately it's not surprising, but it's just, you know, I I feel, (laughs) I feel like just like getting a driver's license or just like doing anything else. I feel like people should have to take some sort of test just to create you're not a complete moron before somebody gives you an open platform to, to spew whatever shit out there you want to put out it's just been uh it's been confirmation of things that we already knew but again a lot of disgusting people out there on social media
1: yeah and i mentioned graham couch if you haven't seen it or heard his little he, he verbatim he actually called the events that happened in the tunnel amazing ah. that's what he said like out loud he's like it there was amazing there you go i'm like what a, that guy. That guy is a. That guy it's is amazing
0: a, until it's your kid that it happens to, or it's or your brother that, you that it happens to, or, or, yeah, or somebody anything. that you can't. You know, when it comes home to roost and it happens at your doorstep or to somebody that you care about, then it's a different scenario. So I think a lot of these people, and what's ironic about this, and I was actually messaging you this uh, earlier today, is that a lot of the people from East Lansing or wherever they're at, the Michigan State Spartan fans who've chosen to come on onto the Facebook platform in uh, specifically. You know, they come there to, a lot of them are of the mindset that Jamon Green had no business being where he was and that by, you know, presuming that he was talking shit, he, he basically got what he deserved. And they fail to see the irony in the fact that they are also doing, you know, committing the same type of conduct they're accusing Jamon Green of. They show up on a social media platform they're not a part of, <laughs> they're not welcome at, and they talk shit. So by their own logic, I guess every single person, every single Sparty on the Facebook page has an ass whooping come and just... You know, if if, if that's the logic we're going to use, like we can, you know, we can go there. We can do that. It
1: was just, it's just ugly, man. I mean, I don't, I can speak for myself. I remember when, I I remember when Juwan Howard did, and and it's, I'm just using that as an example because it's been brought up so many times. Like these issues are not, they're not even close to related, but again, Spartan fans can't help themselves and be like, oh yeah. And that's because your coach does it like you sound like a dumb ass not even a smart one but a dumb ass 10 year old like literally oh, like that's how middle school middle school kids used to argue you know what to-
0: get get back to me when Juwan Howard jumped somebody with like six of his assistant coaches and hit somebody right, else in the head guy. with a chair you know what i mean like that's uh, like you're talking about a slap in the head which again it was awful look and he paid the price for it But it's not the same as jumping a guy in the tunnel with a group of other people and then, you know, using your helmet as a weapon and some of the other things that we saw. So the two are not even close to being equal, but I'm not surprised that people are using it as an excuse because, you know, you got to try to find some way to justify it. And that's the other thing. Like, well, we're not condoning what happened, but Jamon Green shouldn't have been. It's like it's it's such a double standard. Like you're not condoning it. And then the next breath, you're condoning it. So, well, I was going to say,
1: I, I mean, I could speak for me. I know you didn't. I, I, and I don't remember anybody who claims to be a journalist in the Michigan market. Again, Graham Couch. I don't what Whatever the hell he does. I don't care. Everybody who knows about him knows about him. I've never
0: even heard of the dude.
1: He's been. He's what I'm not even going to get into it. But I'm the point I was going to make is I, I know I didn't say like, oh, and Juwan Howard clocked that guy it was amazing. Or like, I know right. you didn't say that. I didn't hear anybody else saying that. It's like it's a different breed of scumbag when you can feel cool about that. No matter what your allegiance is to another allegiance, like that you're, I said it earlier, you're, you're just a shitty person. Yeah. Like you shouldn't enjoy that on any level for any reason, no matter who it's, who's doing it and who's receiving it like that. That's about as, that's about as, as low as it gets, man. I just don't, I don't understand it. Even if you can't stand the other fan base, the other team, the other school, like I get it. That's what it's what a hated fan base and a hated rivalry is all about. But like that goes beyond that. That's just being like a human being.
0: You know, what sucks about it. I mean, a a lot of things really suck about it, but I feel like, uh, I was, I was looking forward to that game a lot because I was confident Michigan was going to win. And I was looking forward to enjoying the win. And it's almost like the joy of the win and, and getting that rivalry win was stolen by everything that happened afterwards because that's been the entire conversation like forget about the fact that Michigan you know beat Michigan State and they're 8-0 and and they're in the driver's seat to head back to Indy and everything's sort of heading down to Columbus you know for for a big matchup there I just feel like I feel like it took away from you know I don't I don't want to speak for everybody but personally the enjoyment of just winning a game like that yeah. and winning, you know, being 0-2 against Mel Tucker and, and finally getting one under the belt. And, uh, you know, it pisses me off. It's disappointing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, certainly not not the way you wanted that one to go. And, I mean, it, it did. It ended up being, you know, Michigan wins by 22, gets Paul back. You know, they're still rolling 8-0. The entire press conference was about the event. The entire awesome. press conference on Monday was about the event. Here we are on Wednesday still talking about it because more stuff has happened involving the event. And yep. by the way, Steve Morgret, whatever, uh, next time you want to put our show together and, and let us know yeah. how to do our job, let me know. <laughs> let the door hit you on the ass, man. What are you talk? We're not going to talk about it? It's like the biggest thing happening right now.
0: <laughs> when the actual you know fan, dude. Should we start talking about frosted tips and what we do on the weekends just to piss those people off?
1: We're 10 minutes in. We got 50 plus minutes Dude, there's left. nothing
0: I love more than people who don't do it, who have suggestions about how we My should God. do it.
1: <laughs> anyway, that's about all the time I was going to spend. Was a I was thinking, eh, about 10 minutes at the beginning. We'll, we'll, then we'll shift off of it. Uh-huh. Too much. Too much for old it's Margo. Too much, or whatever his that's name too was.
0: much. That is anyway. too
1: much. All right, let me scroll back up here and see, because I know some people were throwing a few questions out there. Uh, as Actually, no, it was... Uh, who did the Mister Shane Johnson? Um, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, and he started with what he started with. That's fine. He did get to a football question. Uh, he said digressed. I think he meant regressed. I'm going to fix your whole question for you, Shane. And because you gave five dollars, I'm doing it. I'm doing it somewhat free of charge. Um, I I I wonder about this. I don't know if I I don't know if I would put it. I don't know if I would say the receivers have regressed. I don't know if that's if that's really fair, I, mean, I think this is a good talking point. I have heard other fans say, and I know I have certainly seen it on a couple instances, that some of the route running sometimes isn't as crisp or as sharp as it probably could or should be. And I wonder if that's a product of maybe a regression under Bellamy. I doubt it. Or if it's, it's like what we talked about, dude, when you play 70 snaps and you don't get a target, I feel like you could kind of start to banana a route here and there. Like it gets a that's not an excuse, but, you know, they're eight games in now, and you've got some, you know, a lot of talented receivers on the team who aren't really getting to be a big part of the offense. I don't know. So he's saying that Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum need to be on the field together a lot to win in Columbus and that the receivers aren't really pulling their weight. I don't know if I really agree with that. It still feels way more like a game plan thing to me than anything else. Yep. So, Shane, I don't think your, I don't think your thought process is, like, off base or insulting or negative. I just think it's, I think it's layered. I think there's a little more to it than just saying the receivers aren't playing very good under Ron Bellamy.
0: Well, and it's like what, what I've said multiple times, you know, uh, on, on our show is that I, I think that all of these guys have the freedom, you know, you're talking about Shrone Moore and Matt Weiss in terms of calling plays and how things are going to look. I think they have the freedom to basically call whatever they want as long as it's within the framework of Jim Harbaugh's offense. And Jim Harbaugh's offense, no matter, you know, you you go back to 2015 and you look at it year by year, it's just not favorable to the wide receiver group. And this year, you know, more than any, I mean, think about how much time and how much we heard about, you know, how talented that wide receiver room was, you know, leading up to the season, the comparison with Andrew Anthony to, you know, to, um to Braylon Edwards and things like that. You know, we were just, we were excited that this was going to be, you know, a, a really a big turning point in the Michigan offense. And they were going to start to use some of those weapons and it just hasn't happened yet. And again, Brandon, and I you know Brandon might be flipping back to the dark side a little bit. I'm still, I'm still like, I'm in a place right now where I'm okay with it. I don't know that the receivers are okay with it. In fact, based on, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I, I'm I'm almost 100% sure that there are a chunk of the receivers that aren't really satisfied with it. And I don't know how you could be when you're not heavily involved. But at the end of the day, when you're eight and zero, and if you know that leads to Columbus and Michigan goes back to Indy, and those guys are in the playoff again. Every single one of those guys is going to be happy to be a part of that. And that's really the ultimate goal. And so if it pays off, if this strategy pays off and they can win this way in Columbus and they can do it in Indy and then they can do it in the playoff, you know, so be it. But if it doesn't pay off, if they do trip and fall and stumble in Columbus because they can't move the ball through the air and they can't keep up with that Ohio State offense, I do think people are going to look at, well, why didn't we sort of do something with our offense that would allow us to compete with the Buckeyes down in Columbus. And I, I think if they lose, you're going to see a lot of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I think that's fair. I mean, uh, like I said, I, I wouldn't say it exactly how Shane said it. I don't think it's that simple cause and effect. Bellamine bad. I don't think that's what it is, but I do think it's layered. And I do think it's something that we're going to hear a lot about if it plays out the way you just said, I mean, there's no question about it. It's, it's, yeah. it's something that will be, you know, kind of at the forefront of, of, how that game ends up looking. And they got a few other ones. First, you know, Rutgers played Michigan tough last year. Don't want to overlook them in Piscataway, Illinois can run the ball. And, you know, I, I'm not, but everybody knows what it's about. It's that game in the end of the year. There's, there's, there's no question about it. I mean, that's what it's going to come up Well, Brandon, of. just
0: take it one game at a time right now. We've got Rutgers on the schedule. I'm, I'm sure you're over there watching game film, sending notes to Harbaugh so that he can implement them into the game plan. And by the way, if you're watching this show and you haven't done your part to watch game film on Rutgers, what are you doing? Like this is yeah. a one week at a time approach here. Everybody needs input.
1: Yeah, how dare, how dare us talk dare about the Ohio State dare game? dare you? We got a few, few shout-outs to go Scree- through. Screeonk again, as always. What's the minimum number of red zone touchdowns you'd like to see this weekend to feel more confident about the program? That's a good question. Yeah. I think you need – my my general rule of thumb is if you're a team worth a shit, if you, if you know what you're about, you have an identity, and you're solid on offense, I think you need to score like three out of four times, you're in there. If you get inside the 20, you got first and goal from the 18, I want three out of four touchdowns. That's probably like an elite number. It's probably closer to like 50 50 um, because you know you're gonna you're gonna kick some field goals in there. I think it's about how they look too. like Michigan has had first and goal from the four and had to kick a field goal. That's very different than having first and goal from the 19. So I think I think there's a little bit of nuance like depending on where you start from, where you have a first down at. You know, are you just shaded inside the 20? Are you down on the two and still can't punch it in? Which we've seen Michigan do both of those things this year. Listen, if we
0: see, if we see any of that shit this weekend in Piscataway, I am gonna be on fire. Rutgers is four and four. They're not very good. They just lost to Minnesota 31 to nothing. Michigan, every single time they get in the red zone, they need to score. So how many, you know, how many red zone touchdowns do I need to see? Every single damn time they're in the red zone in Piscataway, they need to put the ball in the end zone. And there's no excuse for it because if you look at the post game comments from Blake Corman, particularly J.J. McCarthy, they understand that. They know they left points on the board. And so if they get that and they understand that and they know they have to do better and you're going up against an opponent that's not very good, damn it, just put the ball in the end zone. Just do it. And maybe... I'm not going to say, I'm going to say it, but I want to say it. Maybe this is a good opportunity to really get that passing game up and running because you do have that Ohio State matchup coming up. Ten in weeks 80. into
1: the year. Let's give it a shot.
0: <laughs> By the way,
1: right. can I reference that you called me wanting a more wide open offense, the dark side. You called that the have you <laughs> really hey. that are that that's now the dark side to you.
0: Well, listen, it's not the dark side, but I mean, we look all year we said it up until, you know, all the way to the playoff. And then we spent like the first five, six weeks saying it this year and all they do is keep winning. And so I just feel like an asshole by continuing to complain about the offense. But I would be lying if I said there isn't a part in the back of my head, a sizable portion that (laughs) thinks (laughs) that thinks it is going to stop working when Michigan, you know, when Michigan needs it to work the most, and then they're going to have to turn to that passing game. And I'm telling you, if you go down to Columbus and you miss on a few deep balls where you've got an open wide receiver and you take 14 to 21 points off the board, the Buckeyes will make you pay. This is not, you know, this is not Iowa, Indiana. It's not even Penn State. That's a whole nother animal down there. And, you know, I love the Michigan defense. I think they're great. Ohio State's scoring about 48 points a game right now, a little over 48 points a game. I think Michigan's going to have to score a lot of points down in Columbus. I don't see it being a 14-10, you know, slugfest contest. I think they're going to have to score points.
1: Yeah, there's no question. What prompted all of that, by the way, for anybody curious out there, was Tennessee being ranked number one last night. I've been a fan of Josh Heupel and his offense for several years. And you may remember that in 2020, I wasn't completely, uh, I wasn't the biggest supporter of Mr. Jim Harbaugh. And I wrote an article because it looked like, I mean, they were two and four would have gotten beat by a thousand against Ohio state had they played. And it really looked like he might be done. And if you remember, they chopped his contract in half, put all these incentives in there. And then 2021 was incredible. But at that time, you know, people started talking about, all right, if Jim Harbaugh is gone and remember, he was looking for the NFL and this, that, and the other, I started to put a list together of who might be on there, you know, who might be able to replace him. And Josh Heupel was on my list back then in 2020. He was coaching at UCF. And now that's, That's one of those games where after you watch a Michigan game, and again, they're eight, no, they're pounding people, they're winning by 20 plus, but you turn on a Tennessee game and it looks like a different sport. It's just high octane, chuck it, chuck it. I don't know, man, you and I, we we have a, we probably have a malfunction. I don't know what it is, but it's in there. We both want it, even though it it might not work as well as what we're watching It, anyway it is what it That's is style All right. preference. mark ackerman damani dent asks damani dent nakai hill green both have not dressed for a game this year any insight on their injury status is it disciplinary i don't i'm not speaking in fact here but i don't think it has anything to do with discipline because i've seen them both around the building multiple yep. times i actually you know, saw them both
0: down on the field they were heavily involved yeah. in the pre-game stuff i know it for a fact it has to do with with health and injury status. And I don't know what the, you know, the details are of it. And again, I, it always feels uncomfortable and a little I, you know, bit, but just, I
1: will say, uh, Nakai Hill green has dressed for a few games this year and then just, has. Played. so has, yeah. I would imagine whatever he's dealing with is not, that serious no yep. i don't believe damani dent has been in uniform maybe i'm wrong on that chris you might have seen him down there tonight. i haven't
0: seen him in uniform yet i did i do remember seeing nakai hill green in uniform i think against hawaii it was uh, early yeah yeah i think early. against hawaii i saw him in uniform and got some photos of him so that's the only reason i remember that
1: yeah so anyway i i don't have a lot of insight but it doesn't look it doesn't look you know like i've seen damani dent bouncing around outside of schembeck or coming in and out of the building it's not like he's on crutches. It's not like he's got a huge knee brace on. I I don't know what he's dealing with, but to Chris's point, doesn't seem to be uh, doesn't seem to be anything going on with discipline. I mean, they're involved in around everything all the time. So you know, I just want to make sure that uh, we're not putting anything out there that's uh, controversial. That it's not a controversial thing. I just don't I don't know. I don't know what it is that's keeping him off the field. Yep. Um, yep. All right, let me scroll back up and find a couple more here. Um. Well, we'll, (laughs) back to the question, back to the well, back to the throw the ball in the end zone question. Do you think Michigan should put a big receiver in the red zone? Look, man, and he he references Clemens. Andrew Anthony, 6'3". Cornelius Johnson, 6'3". Ronnie Bell's about six foot and has probably a 42-plus inch vertical. I mean, he's not a big body, but he's good at going up and getting the ball. He certainly can contort and control his body, and he's got phenomenal hands. Um, The only guys who I would even say our undersized receivers on the team aren't like Roman Wilson's pretty small. He, he's the smallest one of the bunch. We can fly. Obviously you get down, to, you know, inside the 10 that negates his advantage a little bit. And then AJ Henning. Yes. Yep. I'm not throwing a fade ball to either one of those two guys, but you've got three others. And then you've got Luke Schoonmaker. Who's a big dude who can go up and get it. Eric. All I know he's not playing anymore, but he was for the first part of the season. It just doesn't seem to be a thing that they want to do. It's just not how they want to approach. But why damn
0: it? Why, why won't they try it know. once? Brandon? Why? I don't know.
1: I <laughs> Especially don't know. if you're oh.
0: struggling in the red zone. Why won't you do like a quick two, stre- two step drop to Andrell and the fade in the back of the end zone? Like, why won't you try it? Just give it a shot. So D original to
1: answer your question. I don't. You don't even have to name Clemens. I mean, you've got four or five dudes you could try it with. I mean, look, if I'm you're gonna play, 19, if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna play 19 tight ends at once, throw one of them the ball and let them be big.
0: Those big boys eat. Let yeah, them eat. Man.
1: I don't know. So, yeah, I, I, just, it just does not seem to be something they're gonna do. At the I mean, at this point, um, no.
0: why well, do it when you're eight zero?
1: I don't. It, there you go. T Mac McLean. How did we feel about JJ's passing against Michigan State? Was it him or was he a bit rusty, or is he just too overhyped, or something? You know. It's weird. What are you
0: gonna gonna say right now, Brandon? What are you gonna say?
1: You've got now a string of four to five to six quarterbacks who kind of all look the same when they play quarterback at Michigan. I don't think that's a I don't think that's a coincidence. I mean, you had Shea Patterson as a true freshman just freaking wheeling and dealing, dude, at Ole Miss, winging it around the field. People were calling him Johnny Manziel 2.0. He comes to Michigan, he throws for like buck sixty-five a touchdown and gets out of there. I mean, Cade McNamara last year. Everybody's like, he's not talented enough. He can't do this. He can't do that. Now, J.J. McCarthy, who's got all the talent in the world, his stat lines look just like Cade McNamara's.
0: 15 of 25 for 167 yards and a touchdown against is, Michigan State.
1: Is he in double-digit touchdowns yet? 8 games into the season. Does he have uh, 10? I think he's got 10. I can't.
0: Yeah, because I think he had 9. I think that's right. He, I he think he had 9 in. heading into it. He but but one. I you know, you look down at the rushing and he's, you know, Blake Coram, obviously with a solid day, 177 yards it. on the ground. And and JJ McCarthy had 50 yards rushing on 7 carries. So there, There is, listen, how do I feel about the passing game? I feel very underwhelmed by it, but I don't think it's a J.J. McCarthy issue. I, it goes back to, it's just not, you know, it's not an offense that's going to lend itself to quarterbacks putting up big numbers and wide receivers getting production. It's just, that's not what this offense is. And that's what the big struggle has been is like, we want to sit here and kind of dissect, is there something wrong with J.J.? Is there something wrong with the passing game? I don't think there's anything wrong with any of it. I just think it's not set up that way you know, to use those guys in the way that, you know, most people think they should be used. So did he look a little bit rusty? Was he off on some throws? Yeah, he made some good throws overall. I think he had a solid game, but, you know, you don't have to do a lot when you have a guy like Blake Corum, who is just Mr. Consistency out on the field, week in, week out, putting up the numbers and and basically carrying that offense on his back.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, kind of to this same point, you know, whether it's, product of being coached by this staff or the offense that Jim Harbaugh wants to run. And again, I'm now calling, I'm calling it Jim Harbaugh's offense.
0: I was going to say, they've had different offensive coordinators. They've had different, you know, it, it, it looks the same year after year.
1: We put that picture up on Monday about the 2010 Stanford offense and the Harvard and the Harbaugh offense right now. It's the same thing. It's Harbaugh's offense got some guys maybe calling the plays but they, like i don't think sharon moore is sitting down drawing up the play that's being run out on the field i think he's handed a list you he think said. he's just
0: in a room like drawing up different different ways to hand off the ball to blake quorum like we're gonna hand so, it and go this way and we're gonna hand it off and go that way now jj if you turn around and give
1: it a thriller before <laughs> he gives it to him i mean yeah whatever whatever they want to do out there man but kind of <laughs> to this point Davi Belfort, big time 2024 quarterback who had visited Michigan multiple times, had an offer. I don't know where he was at on their board exactly. He's from Florida. Just dropped the top seven. No Michigan. Michigan State's in there. Tennessee, shocker. Hendon Hooker's throwing the ball all over the yard. Ole Miss, shocker. Florida, they let Anthony Richardson throw it all over the place. Penn State, Sean Clifford, eh, and make an argument there. Bama, Bama, whatever. Virginia Tech. So I mean, it, it kind of speaks to all this stuff. I mean, you've got a kid like J.J. who's been a, a gunslinger, a, a, you know, when he was at Nazareth, then when he went to uh, IMG, and then we saw all the stuff, the training and leading up to it, and now he's in the game and he doesn't, I mean, he just, But then how the do you training.
0: explain Jaden Davis, who seems to be pretty high on Michigan right now? Well. And was in the would, big house. He was in the big house. That
1: he's had multiple opportunities to commit to Michigan, which is a school that he loves and he hasn't done it. That's how I would explain it. I mean, if that you know, if that's a kid, if that same exact kid is going to all this stuff and being at Michigan multiple visits, this, that, the other, and JJ McCarthy has thirty five hundred yards and thirty six touchdowns right now, he's a commit. I don't, I don't think there's any question. So,
0: I mean, you know, Michigan's competing against Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, North Carolina, Texas A and M. Who you know, uh, North Carolina, yeah. But Drake, hey,
1: the quarterback for North Carolina. It's putting up like Heisman numbers, dude? Throwing the ball around for the Tar Heels. I mean, so you can, you know, you it it comes back to this. You know, you got to balance what's working. You've got to balance, you know, what you know as a team, what your strengths are. Did we we talk
0: about this? Did we talk about this on the show? Like we were talking about the the type of quarterback. Like if if this is the type of offense that Michigan is going to run, why not just go out and get like a super mobile quarterback? Like. A Denard Robinson who, you know, you put a guy like Denard and then you have Donovan Edwards and Blake Coram in the backfield. I mean, that's dangerous. Like, if you're not going to ask a kid like J.J. McCarthy to do what a guy like that is capable of doing, like, I just feel like they should recruit a different type of quarterback who's mobile and can, like, add to the running game. Uh, It just... It doesn't make any sense to bring these guys in if, uh, and the same can be said for the wide receivers as well. Hell, you might just, might as well just recruit all tight ends, put the tight ends out wide, bring them in. You know, do whatever you want to do. Like, there's really not a need for the wide receivers.
1: Yeah, yeah. I <sighs> where mean, the hell's the
0: flea flicker at, Brandon? Where is that? Even Cade McNamara got to.
1: Where? Once. Oh my goodness. Once. Um, Sean Bennett, that's a good question. Is is this Blake's last year as a Wolverine? He's having a great year. The only thing, he, he's he got the tape. He's going to test well. He'll, he'll bench well. He'll do all the jumping, running. He'll do all that well whenever he does decide to do the combine and all that stuff. His running back just isn't that position anymore. There's almost no incentive to leave early as a running back in terms of draft status because unless you are, like, otherworldly, you're probably not even going in the first round. The, the one thing is usage. And they are using the hell out of him right now. I mean, you talk about a whole other season with 20, 25, 30 carries a game. That takes a lot of years off of a running back's life. So I I don't really know if I could make a prediction on that right now. I mean, I, I think Blake loves it at Michigan. He's obviously having a hell of a time. But, you know, go get paid and go to the league, man. I mean, I, I, I don't know which way he would be leaning at this point.
0: I just, I get a gut feeling that he's the type of dude that wants to stick around and, and be a captain on this football team. And he's obviously got all the leadership traits you could want and we'll see how this year plays out. But, you know, I, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Like, do they, you know, if you don't win a national championship this year and you think you can, uh, you think you can win one in your Blake Corum, then, you know, there's, there is some going to be obviously some incentive to stay, but. He's certainly putting a lot on film. It looks like, I mean, if if things keep going the way they're going, there's a high probability that he'll he'll be in New York at the end of the year. And I think, you know, once you get to that point, you're getting that kind of national recognition. It's hard to sort of pass up on an opportunity to go play football at the next level.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, Probably not going to spend a ton of time on this because as Nathan Goddard says in the question, it doesn't matter that much right now. Georgia, Tennessee play this weekend. Michigan, Ohio State play in a month.
0: It's shit, I mean, is what it, it is. is
1: horseshit, so it's, I was gonna, it's exactly where I was going to go with it. It doesn't really matter, but it's got to stick in your craw a little bit. I mean, ACC football is not Big Ten football. Clemson was trashed last year. They haven't been all that I convincing was, this year. I just don't understand. I don't get the justification. I was
0: standing in front of my TV because we were obviously going to announce it You know, on our socials, and the article right. was going to go out, and I was standing in front of my TV, and and I had no uh, – no expert. I didn't expect – Michigan to be at number five. Yeah. When, when they were listed at number five, like it it blew my mind. Like I was literally, my mind was blown. And then, yeah, the whole Clemson deal. I mean, you know, you put Michigan and Clemson on an equal field right now on, on a, you know, neutral field. And I, I think Michigan's going to take it to them, the the style of football that they play. And so, you know, and then they got into some things about Ohio state and how Ohio state looked against Penn state versus, you know, Michigan. And I, you know, I don't know. I think the early non-conference schedule, it's hurting them a little bit. And at the end of the day, I try not to get too invested into these things because I think you win and you're in if you're Michigan. Yeah. That's that's what it is. You win and you're in. And so it's you know, it's fun stuff for the family to talk or for the, the fans and everybody to talk about and get riled up about. But at the end of the day, if they take care of business, they're in.
1: Yeah. Um, this is a hard one to measure. Thanks, Lee Brandon, for the donation and the question. Um, yeah, I'll give you I'll give you a little one right here. What do we got? Maybe he just wanted to hear that song. I don't know. It doesn't have anything to do with his question at all. But thank you, Lee. Um, Do we think that this year's team is mentally stronger and even more bonded than last year's team? Because last year's team certainly, you know, turned a big corner in a big way to fix that culture. And I don't know, Chris. I mean, I don't know how you measure that, but it, it seems to be at least there. I'd say, you know, on par or better than last year's team in that regard.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of those, I think that was going to be the big question is we knew that, you know, obviously with Aiden Hutchinson and some of the other veteran guys that were there, they, they did a lot to reset the culture. And we talked about leading into the season. It was all we heard was culture, this and vibe, this and everything has changed. And you really wonder how much that's going to make an impact on the football field. And then they go out and do what they did. And I really, truly think guys like JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, some of those guys, you know, Mike Morris, they have taken that leadership role seriously. Mozzie Smith. I mean, look at, look at how much time Mozzie Smith spends teaching and like, you know, out there trying to help develop other guys. Mike Sainer still, another phenomenal leader on this football team. They just, across the board, they've got leaders everywhere. And I would say what was built in 21 is certainly carried over into 2022 and is, you know, expanded and grown. And it's really cool to watch, man. A team that's that close-knit, that plays that hard for each other, that has that kind of camaraderie and brotherhood. It's fun to watch. It's fun to cover. It's fun to be around them.
1: I'll tie, I will tie his question together with the. JJ McCarthy referenced Jake Moody as being one of, if not the best leaders on the team with his maturity, with his approach. Yeah, he's a kicker. He's not out there doing a lot of the stuff that the other position guys are doing. But I'll tell you what, man, that hit on Nick Singleton against Penn State, I think took Jake Moody's level of leadership to two new heights. I mean, he he's referenced it. Some of the other players have referenced it weeks after the game now. And so I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if that's why uh, sledgehammer was mentioned in that question, but I will throw Jake Moody and a guy like Brad Robbins, Brad Robbins, no doubt of leaders that Chris just rattled off. I mean, you can go across the board, the linemen, certainly Olu, new guy to the program, you could tell everybody on the team respects what that dude says and how he carries and conducts himself. So I think across the board, he mentioned Mike Morris, Mike Sainer, still even RJ Moten. I mean, there's yep. dudes all over that team that seem to love everybody on the team and get love from everybody on the team. And I think Jake Moody and Brad Robbins are a big part of that, even though, you know, I don't even know. Are kickers and punters people? No one really knows, but they're leaders and they're doing a good thing for Michigan right now. And like I said, that hit, dude, <laughs> that hit by Jake Moody was incredible <laughs> down a running back. Like, you know, like a, like a linebacker. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you
1: man. know, the players love that. And it's like I said, it's been referenced more than a couple times since then. And it's been, it's been three weeks since that happened. So yeah, I, I think, uh, there really is no way to truly measure like camaraderie and togetherness and culture, but you know it when you see it and you know it when you don't. And it's certainly There's no common- question. It's certainly there this year, at least as strong as it was last year. So, anyway,
0: and it um, wasn't really there in 2020 in nope. you know two and four football team. So,
1: yeah, no, there's no, there's no question. Um, I think this is interesting. The original again, I didn't realize it was the same person, but somebody in the comments earlier said that Blake probably should stay because he might get hurt too much in the NFL, and I just don't know if I really agree with that for nah. a couple reasons. One. I mean, Blake's short, but he's he's put together, man. Barry Sanders, one of my favorite players. Not one of. He's my favorite player of all time. I've had this memorized my whole life. He was 5'8", 203. Blake Corum is listed at 5'8", 210. And he's shifty, and he's fast, and he doesn't take a lot of big hits. Now, Well,
0: and if, have you stood next to him? I mean, the dude is, uh, what, do they, what do they call it, a brick house? Is that what they call house. it? He I mean, yeah, he'll be fine.
1: There's no question. And, you know, I, I do think when you... You know, when you start to do it, if, if it's what you're doing for a living, you start to take into account, all right, it's a longer season in the NFL. I plan to play for more than four years. I can't be taking hits like that. It's more about taking care of your body. And Blake's been doing that stuff like a pro for years already. So I, I just... I don't think there's going to be any issue with him when it comes to durability. I mean, no NFL players skate through their whole career without getting dinged and running back. is One of the, he was injured last year. He missed some
0: time last year with it. It 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 happens. happens. Yeah.
1: But he's, he's got everything you possibly need to have a long career and not, not be concerned with the, and can I just
0: say, by the way, we do have Mr. James Corum in the house. Blake's father. Oh, there you go. Great to have you here. Appreciate you stopping by.
1: Did He throw a comment up there. I'll put it up there. If been, didn't. He, well,
0: not really a comment, he's just kind of been interacting. I can see it in the comments. There it is.
1: We appreciate you, Mr. Corum.
0: I don't know if that was appreciated. I don't know if that was to us. I think he's been having conversations in the ah, comments, okay. but you know what? I'll take it anyway. We, you know, <laughs> we appreciate that you appreciate us, James. <laughs> there you go.
1: Oh, he's well, he's commenting on the you know, whether or not Blake might go pro thing. And he, he said, you know, because I think somebody up in the comments said, uh, you know, get that NFL money, that's a big game changer. And, yeah. and james uh said you know we're, we're good you know it's not like some situations <laughs> where and props to him i mean that's incredible but yeah there's no question that some guys leave earlier than they should because they have to they've got right. a bad situation wherever they came from and that kind of money changes everything about their family tree not just their immediate it dude it goes well beyond their their you know their home door so there's a lot that I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask James. Like, well, tell us then what's going to happen at the end. We're not going to do that, but
0: <laughs> what's you know, he doing? What's little, the next move?
1: That's a little bit of insight from uh, about as close as you can get to it. So we, we certainly yeah. appreciate that insight. That's awesome. And he's been in here before this. He's, he's yeah. a regular. He's, he's one of OG. the OGs. Man. There's no OG. doubt. Um. Oh, uh, let's see. Let's see. Um. This is a good question from miss Kate Alverson. We love it. Hey, Hey, great to see you
0: yeah and she was at the tailgate this past weekend right to finally meet you in person can i just say by the way that is that's one of the coolest things is when you interact with people on social media for for years sometimes and you never you never meet them in person then all of a sudden you're like standing face to face and it's like holy shit you're a real person and it's just (laughs) those interactions have happened a lot this year and so i really appreciate it again it was great to meet you kate and I, i appreciate the question
1: Yeah. So this is a good one. And I obviously did. I mean, I had a prediction that three guys would get a sack that the total number would be more than it is. Were you surprised, Chris, that there wasn't more pressure on Peyton Thorne in that game? And we we've kind of seen this all year. There's been some, some peaks and valleys with this pass rush.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I think we both expected a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of sacks on Saturday night. We expected that defense was going to get to Peyton Thorne and make things difficult. In a lot of ways they did make it difficult, but you know, it's just like with the wide receiver stuff, it's hard, you know, when it doesn't happen a lot, it's hard not to like, kind of, you know, raise your brow a little bit and wonder why, but yeah, I guess I'll just leave it at that. I'm a little bit surprised they didn't get to Peyton Thorne more, but at the end of the day, I mean, that offense was essentially non-existent. They weren't really able to do anything. And I think that's a big part of the reason why Michigan was content with just trotting out Jake Moody, drive after drive after drive and putting three points on three points on three points on. Cause they knew Michigan State didn't have an answer.
1: Um, Had had another one. Had another hey. One.
0: As I'm searching for that, Chris. What's up, my guy?
1: As I'm searching for that to throw it up there, I'm going to put a question up from none, none other than your mom.
0: Oh, my I that was. Mama's mom, in
1: the house? Was it like your mom? Oh. That was like your mom. She's okay. in here.
0: No, oh, that wasn't a y- your mama. Your mama.
1: No. I'm going to, well, answer it directly, but I'm going to actually add to it a little bit too. How can the red zone issues get fixed quick, quickly? Can they get quick, get fixed quick? God, that's a mouthful. Can they get fixed quickly? Obviously the Ohio state thing, we've been talking about that, but. It's your mom's question, dude. Take it, take it and run.
0: Uh, Yes, it can be fixed quickly by just changing what you do when you get in the red zone. I mean, that, it's not like these guys have never played football before. It's not like they don't know how to get creative. It's not. We, I mean, we've seen jet sweeps with AJ Henning and we've seen, you know, some creative things that that this team is able to do, even if they are run heavy. I just think it really comes down to the creativity and allowing this team to do what they're capable of doing. And I'm all for hammering it away with Blake corn because he's proven that he, Again, he's a known commodity and he does what he does week in and week out, but people expect that. And sometimes the drives, when they get in the red zone, they stall out. And I'm not sure how much of that is a part of Michigan just being content with like, look, if we can't hammer the ball in, then we're going to hammer it with Jake Moody. And we're just going to continue to do it that way. But can it be fixed quickly? Yes, it can be fixed quickly because there's probably a you know there's probably about this many pages of plays that they can run in the edge zone that would be far more effective than what they've been doing. I, I guarantee it.
1: Chris, I I love your enthusiasm. I Am love I crazy? It. I think you might be oh. because I I like. <laughs> Did you forget
0: who the head wait, coach was? Okay, so wait, so you don't believe the switch can just be flipped? No, you don't. Think, you don't think they're waiting to flip it for Columbus? Jim and Carpa has removed
1: every switch in every office and house There's that, that he's ever been in.
0: There's just one giant switch at the beginning ah, of the season. Ah, he just hangs
1: from it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> the that's it.
0: wheels start turning. Tight ends start coming out. Offensive linemen. Yeah. yeah release.
1: Just forty <laughs> dudes wearing number eighty-nine. Like Jim, they can't all wear eighty-nine. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 what I that's what I picture. So I don't disagree with you in theory, but I I think you forgot for a minute. well. Okay,
0: I guess I guess maybe I I took the question differently. It's it, you know, can it be fixed quickly? Yes. Will it be fixed yeah. at all? Probably not. You know, wow. I I think that's this is going to be the formula until somebody out there proves it won't work. And yeah, I don't they're know when you right, have a, when you have it. A, it, I mean, yeah.
1: that's, if it's working, you can make fun of Jim Harbaugh's approach all you want and the tight ends and all well, the the yeah. big giant switch cartoon we just created in our eight
0: no while you're at it too yeah
1: it, make the, fun of it, being
0: in the playoff hunt while you're at it you know what I mean like Michigan is right where they want to be and
1: I'm Jimmy, enjoying
0: it I'm having fun
1: old jimmy's gonna have quite the rebuttal to <laughs> all of it and that's that's the bottom line that's as far 8-0. as it really needs to go. That's oh, it. Perfect. So Michael Bird, this is a really good question. I've seen it a lot. It's been all over social media. Mm. I find myself pretty torn about this because like, immediately, his question, for those of you who can't see it on YouTube or that aren't on YouTube, um, you guys think that the Michigan and Michigan State rivalry needs to take a bit of a hiatus. Immediately when I read that question, I say, no, no, dude, that's no, that's crazy. But then... I start to think about it a little bit and it, it has, it has seemed to get worse and worse and worse recently. Toxic. Maybe toxic is a good, maybe a little bit of a reset wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I still tend to lean towards. No, I don't, where, where's your head at on this Chris? So here's the thing.
0: I want the game to be played every single year because I think it's a phenomenal rivalry, but I will say this last game, the weeks leading up to it. And certainly the week after it has just been absolutely exhausting. If you're somebody who's, um, you know, if you're, if you're on the social media, if you're in the market, if you can see what the conversations are that are being had, it's just been exhausting. Like I, like I said earlier in the show, like I didn't even enjoy it. Like yeah. I didn't even enjoy the fact that Michigan won the game. And honestly, if you are going to do it, like, you know, maybe you do it next year and, and you, you, you know, or you try to, I guess you make the point that this game does not have to be played. Like it's, it's a privilege to be able to play in these games. And if people are going to act a fool, fans and players alike then maybe you take it away for a year and and you set you set the tone and you say look if this is how you guys are going to act then we're just not going to play the damn game and i think fans would be disappointed and players would be disappointed in that now granted i'm fine taking a year off since paul bunyan's in ann arbor and would be (laughs) totally cool with that but yeah i think i don't think it's the craziest thing in the world i don't want to see it happen but if somebody came out you know a week from now and said, you know what, based on everything that happened, we're not going to play the game next year. To me, it would be understandable because there are a lot of idiots out there that contribute to the toxic environment that has surrounded this rivalry, creating a situation where it's almost not enjoyable at this point. Like I said, how much How much of that win did you enjoy? How much of the, you know, after the win did you enjoy it? Like, I feel like, I feel like the game didn't happen. I feel like it was just a fight.
1: I mean, me personally, all I was doing was scrambling to write bullshit articles about something that shouldn't have happened. Right. I mean, you know, that's that's all I was doing during the final stretches when I should have been, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's not it's not good. And like I said, immediately and my immediate first thought is no, you can't you can't take that game away. But again, it would it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to maybe reset it just a little bit. I've heard people talk about, you know what. This was obviously really bad. I mean, it was an assault. A dude was clocking another human being in the head with a helmet. You could kill somebody like that for sure.
0: Correct. So
1: that's really bad. I I guess the question would be, and and like, because they're players, like it's not a big deal. Like that's bullshit too. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, You've seen people, you know, prognosticating and predicting and and saying like, well, maybe, maybe the maybe when a fan gets stomped out outside of the stadium and something worse happens, then maybe you'd and like it, dude. It could go there with the way that this thing has been. Sure as oh, hell. I mean, I'm let saying, me ask you this: hate for that to happen,
0: let me ask you this: what do you think the environment and the energy is going to be like leading up to that game in East Lansing next Horrid. year? It's Horrid. going to be awful. People are yeah. going to be energized. People are going to be fighting with each other for you know, for weeks leading up to that game. And obviously there's a lot of guys that were in the game on Michigan side last Saturday that are going to be playing in that game next year. And they're going to remember that shit too. And and if I'm a player, I mean, even as somebody wasn't like directly involved, I'm just, I, I'm a photographer down there and I'm a Michigan fan. I took it personally. I was pissed off and I feel like I'm going to be angry going into that game. And so you know, but it, it, again, if if leadership is good and you have the right coach in place, like you'll be able to get your guys in the right mindset and you'll take care of business. I just think uh, I can already tell, man. It, like this year was bad, and based on what happened post game next year, leading up to it is going to be worse. Unless people miraculously get their shit together over the next year, and I don't think that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I'm looking for Travis. Oh, Travis had a question, man, and now I lost it up here. I remember what it was, but I Travis. Still... Yeah, the homie always hanging out, oh, always. Out there. Oh, Tra- there it is right there. It's an easy question, but I, I have had this thought. and I don't know a lot about Rutgers at this point, but I can't I can't ever forget about 78 to nothing in Piscataway and just how bad Rutgers has typically been. They are better now under Greg Schiano. There's no doubt. Is does Michigan have a chance to shut them out? Shutting out a team is hard to do in college football these days seems like everybody can score and move the ball. And a lot of times late you get some garbage points, but I don't know. We have, we're going to talk about, you know, the predictions and a little bit more of the specifics of the game on Friday, obviously Chris, but early thoughts on, you know, how Michigan's defense might be able to handle Rutgers.
0: Uh, if Minnesota can shut out Rutgers and I certainly think Michigan can now will will uh, will Rutgers put, you know, two back-to-back shutouts out there. I, you know, I, it's hard to do and I'm not sure, but yeah, I think, Look, if they don't shut him out, I don't know how important it is to shut him out, but I do think it's going to be a convincing win. And I think that going back to one of the earlier things that we talked about, you know, how many times does Michigan need to score in the red zone in order to show it's not an issue? In Piscataway, they need to score every single time, touchdowns every single time they get in the red zone against a team like Rutgers, four and four. They've got no answer for what Michigan does offensively zero. So there's no excuse for not punching it in.
1: No, no doubt. I mean, that's what everybody's going to be watching after last week. I mean, it seemed to be kind of, uh, you know, magnified last week cause they were such short field goals and it was Michigan state and it was the rivalry and Michigan state's defense isn't supposed to be good. And Michigan still couldn't get those touchdowns going in the end zone. So, you know, I don't know. It just, it just feels like they need to, they need to improve on that in a big way. Um, God, damn it. I lost the questions again. That's when it, when I scroll down, it like loads all the new ones and I lose my spot where I was before. All right.
0: We're already at 50 minutes. I know. This is what I was going to throw up there. Chris,
1: Eric Brinkman when's the online store going up. He can't drive, stop, drive to get these hats. He wants to know what's up, man.
0: Well, I can tell you this. I have seen the online store this week. I think it looks great. And it go it goes live tomorrow. So for anybody out there who has been wanting, you know, to get their hands on some merchandise, the online store will be live tomorrow. I can't give you a specific time. I know it's going to be later afternoon, but it will go live tomorrow. I will put the link out. And then, you know, the beanies, the snapbacks, you know, the Beat State stuff, that's all going to be on there. There's going to be a few new additions as well. Some apparel that, haven't, uh, that hasn't been released yet. And, you know, for us, it's, you know, <laughs> Brandon and I have spent a lot of time talking about merchandise and it's not... It's not a big moneymaker for us, but what it does is, you know, it, it, it helps really spread the message. It helps spread the branding. And at the end of the day, it's, it's part of the business that we want to grow. So for everybody that, that goes and, you know, makes a purchase there, hopefully the process is going to be far more streamlined as opposed to you sending me a message on Facebook and me giving you Venmo or PayPal or cash app, and then me packaging it up, (laughs) me hoping I don't screw up the shipping address, me sending out the tracking numbers. Like it's a fully automated process at this point. And I'm, uh, I'm excited, excited to be able to release it.
1: My uncle Mike with a really good point about this Michigan, Michigan state thing moving forward. He's my uncle's a big hockey guy. I never have been, but if you, you know, if you're in Michigan and you're around our age or older, you certainly remember the wings every year being really solid, playing meaningful hockey. And you certainly remember their rivalry against Colorado and how, the puck dropped and it's a fight immediately between Darren McCarty, who is a friend of the show, by the way, Darren McCarty, a friend of the winged helmet, a friend, a friend of Wolverine digest was out there swinging that the, guy. the clubs around a little bit with us and Braylon. That was, that was a really cool thing. But anyway, yeah, it, it it's, I mean hockey kind of has that built in a little bit. I don't think people are going to like, you know, the opening kickoff helmets come off and they're fighting. I don't think it's going to be like that for the Michigan Michigan State game, but you expect it to be nasty beforehand like you said, chippy during the game, more stuff afterward. Like
0: what you, you don't know, expect is the- some dude to take a skate off and start using it to shank one of the opposing players. Right.
1: <laughs> it's just it just feels like it's going to have that build up until I don't know, I don't know what the fix is. It might only be fixed by a pause button. For a little
0: bit. I don't know. Yeah, and that sucks. Know. It sucks that Not, we're at we're, yeah. that we're at that place. But again, if you think about all the energy and, and the how toxic it was leading up to this game, and then obviously after, I can't imagine it's going to be any better next year. And in fact, I think based on what happened, it's going to be considerably worse. Dude, this is all people are going to talk about leading I up know, to that game. Those videos are going to resurface. Yeah. The anger is going to be there. And you're going to have a bunch of pissed off people crammed into a stadium together and a bunch of players on the field who are also angry about what happened and are going to have the first opportunity to do something about it. I just, it, it, to me, it seems like a recipe for a disaster. Whether somebody on the field gets hurt, somebody in the stands gets hurt and, and it sucks that that's where it's at, but that is where it's at. That's the reality of the situation. Would hate to see that game not be played, but if people can't get their shit together, that's where this is headed.
1: This is an interesting one, and Chris, you kind—I of, think you threw out Denard Robinson, and we talked about him. Can you imagine if he Christ. was the quarterback in this offense, oh like having that threat back there? Nick, with a little donation from the YouTube page, hey. and Tim Tebow, a Cardale Jones type in this offense. I wonder how much different it would look because, I—I <laughs> I was going to be a dick right out of the gate and say, yeah, Nick, I can't imagine it. Tim Tebow would go 11 for 15 for 141 yards and a touchdown. He might carry it three times, and you get out with a twenty-point win because your running back ran for two hundred and three scores. Like that's that's immediately where my mind went to. But we we did get excited when we talked about the possibilities of what Denard could do. Certainly, a guy like Tebow, who was like a fullback who threw it sometimes. Cardale Jones was a big dude he actually wasn't a, a big time running threat he was much more of a like wing it down the field type I mean Cardale
0: Jones was good because the offense allowed him yeah. to be allowed yeah. him to do what what he could do you know what i mean so i don't i don't know that Cardale Jones would be the difference maker but yeah if you put a mobile quarterback like a, a true you know J- i know JJ's there but i, I I, you know, is he a true dual threat? Like he can certainly hurt you with his legs. He's got the mobility, but I mean, he doesn't have that shake and shimmy like Denard used to have, where he can break it off for 90 yards and gets in the open field and nobody can catch him.
1: You're talking Denard. You're talking Lamar. You're talking Mike Vick. You're talking Lamar
0: Jackson in this. Yeah. I
1: mean, you're talking, you know, you're talking any number of these guys who literally carry it like 20 times a game. I mean, there's plenty of quarterbacks out there who are, Jalen hurts even in the NFL right now for the Eagles dude. Like there are plenty of quarterbacks out there who are an integral part to every team's rushing attack. JJ's not that he can run. He's fast. He's also a little slight. He's not built like any of those guys. He's probably not even 200 pounds, but it it is, it is a fun thing to think about. And like I said, I'm being a little facetious, but I think, I think you put Tim Tebow in there and well, there's your stat line. Looks like JJ's looks like Cades looks like Shays looks like Wilton Spates looks like, I mean you go to you go right down the list. Maybe not quite
0: John O'Corns.
1: Yeah, maybe not that hard out, but you you get the point. Um, Chris Fields with another one. Appreciate you as always, brother. Does the current uh college football playoff rankings create a situation making it nearly impossible for a long, one loss Michigan to get in? I was going to say that earlier. While it doesn't really matter now if Michigan remains number four, you know, because Tennessee and Georgia are going to play this weekend. So yep. Michigan's going to be in the top four next week. Like that's going to, because one of the. Well, now, Brandon,
0: take it one week at a time. They could lose out there in Piscataway. We're not really sure. Crazy no. things happen in college football. And,
1: you know, I guess if, you know, if Georgia beats Tennessee, it's conceivable that Georgia do, or that Tennessee doesn't fall out of the top four. They should. I feel like that would be like an automatic. Like if you're number one, you're undefeated and you lose, you're no longer in the top four playoff picture. You can't be, you got to be at least at five.
0: Mm,
1: so anyway, unless you I lose to
0: another top four team, right?
1: That's what I'm saying. It would be yeah, Georgia's number yeah. three. Like it, it's going to get a little interesting to see how that happens and what it looks like. I think ideally for Michigan fans who want to just see Michigan in the top four, you want Tennessee to lose this weekend because then Georgia will fall out of the top four being at number three. Anyway. Yep. My whole point of this of answering this question is that there's some Michigan fans that are ruffled that Michigan's at number five. But I think what this do what this what this does say is that a one loss team. Michigan is not going to sniff the top four. It's not it's not going to happen. Whereas before I thought that if their only loss was to the number one, number two or number three Ohio State, if it's even remotely close, you could make an argument that, that they should get in. But this pretty much. Shows that it's, that's not going to
0: happen. There's no question about it. Michigan loses yeah. a game. If they, you know God. if they have a loss on their their record this year, they are not going to the college football playoff. Unless all hell breaks loose in in Columbus, or you know the Buckeyes go out to Maryland and they drop a game out there. You know, I just I, I don't know what the scenario would be, but with the way things are playing out and if everything you know stays the course, yeah, if if Michigan loses a game, they are out of the playoff. There's no doubt about it.
1: Uh, Shane Johnson with another donation. Thank you, Shane. Hey, hey, hey. Kind of a bye week on recruiting, yes, because it's an away game. That's kind of how that works. 2023 class is whatever. December's not that far away. We're going to get a, a real quick look at what that's shaping up like. But he mentions in 2024, the top 10 players in Michigan. And I haven't really looked at this, so I'll, I'm taking his word for it. Two are committed to Notre Dame, four are committed to Michigan State, three are undecided. So that leaves two left. I'm not sure exactly what what, what's going on with those two maybe it's whatever but i think it's valid it's what we've been talking about all year certain guys aren't really gonna love what michigan's doing because especially at the skill positions on offense it's just not that attractive i mean winning's cool you know playing quarterback and handing it off 45 times and not throwing but then
0: but but then shouldn't you be signing like Five-star offensive linemen and five-star running, star running yeah. backs, and you know, and I get that stars aren't everything. I get that, but to me, those guys should be very, very interested in coming to the University of Michigan if the name of the game is winning football games and getting the ball in your hands. If you're a running back and an offensive lineman or a tight end, I can't imagine a better place in the country to go play football than the University of Michigan. So it is, it is a little strange, but yeah, you are. You know, you're going to see. You know, and somebody else just brought it up: Thomas uh, fighting or fitting. I uh, want to make sure I get that right. Um, yeah, the the NIL side of it is also that, that's always going to play a factor until Michigan puts something out there that is significant enough to pull away guys that really don't have like an inherent interest already in Michigan yeah. and and have other pro. Now, look, I know people want to use Texas A and M as as an example and say, you know, see, look, if you know if they're only going there for the money and they're not truly invested in the university, like you're going to see some of these things happen. And yeah, there's always going to be outliers. There's going to be Texas A and M's, but make no mistake, high school recruits are still very much going to pay attention to what's going on with NIL. And I think Michigan could be elite in the NIL category. They're just a little bit behind the game right now compared to some of the other, you know, Power Five schools that are that are doing it really well. And they've already got something up and, and humming and running along.
1: Yeah, it's. It's going to be something to watch. I mean, Michigan is having success like they've never had before. I mean, literally, certainly not under Harbaugh. And obviously, the last time they were this good, it was a completely different format than the playoff and NIL. and all. I mean, it's just a completely different ballgame. But the success that they've been having on the field just doesn't seem to be the same on the recruiting trail for whatever reason. I mean, you just listed several. That's going to be interesting to look at and watch as we move forward. All right, well, I think we have one more donation question and then we'll kind of start looking at some of these other ones as we get ready to wrap up here um sean bennett again appreciate you my guy michigan going to texas in 2024 early thoughts it's not that far away a lot of times you see these big matchups it's like announcing 2037 it's like dude those kids aren't (laughs) even born yet like all right this is just a this is a season or two away, so it's a little <laughs> bit more pertinent, I guess. What yeah. What do you, you think? No, I love that? it, man. I love yeah, it.
0: I love awesome. uh, I love the idea of uh, you know going to play at Texas. I mean, that's obviously another big brand of football, and, and yeah. anytime you get two of those, you know, two of those teams on the field together, it's always uh, it's always exciting. So my short answer is, I like it. I'm excited for it, and uh, I very much look forward to going to that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll you know that'll be a bucket
0: them. list item for sure.
1: Oh, get man. down there
0: and see the Longhorns get their ass whooped by the Wolverines on the road. Love it,
1: Chris Fields. Did I really skip you, my guy? I'm trying. I'm, I promise, I'm trying not to
0: skip. But did you. he say? Did we skip him?
1: He said uh, he, he he did a he did a no because I did we did do that one anyway. All right. What did he What did he say? He's complaining. <laughs> He's telling us we got to tighten up. I'll tighten <laughs> up, dude. Chris Fields, appreciate you, man. He's going broke over there. I don't know. He gives a lot of money to us for some reason. Um, There was another question. Oh, maybe I just missed there was another question. Okay, well, that's not Didn't, we,
0: didn't we see that? Did we we talked about a one-loss Ohio State maybe it
1: wasn't. right? Oh, okay. I guess I didn't really pay attention to if it was a two-parter or not.
0: All yeah, right. I, think, I think a one-loss Ohio State team would still make it, assuming that loss doesn't come against Michigan the final week of the, the season. You know, Michigan wins, beats Ohio State, presumably – Michigan is undefeated and I don't think a one loss Ohio state again, there's, there's a lot of football to be played and you know, you never know what can happen. And sure, there could be, you know, a scenario where both Michigan, I mean, I guess that's, do you think there's a scenario where Michigan and Ohio state make the playoff this year or is that 0% chance?
1: I think it's zero. And I think the, the fact that Michigan is at number five confirmed like solidifies that, you know, like the, they've got to win everything or they're not going to, they're not going to get in based on whatever reason, you know, if it's the, if it's the strength of schedule or whatever, like, and then it's going to be the same for Ohio state. Cause their schedule is not that good either. Then they would have that loss. I think, I think they're going to, yeah, they're going to,
0: what if at end the end of the year, home. what if at the end of the year, there's a scenario where it's number one, Ohio state versus number one or number two, Michigan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a close game. And one of those teams loses by a field Three. goal. Yeah. You know, what do you do there? Does one of those teams fall completely out of the top four? If that's truly the two top teams in the country?
1: I think so. I think that's what would happen. I don't think they would get the love or the respect because they're the big 10. And they're, you know, There's no
0: respect out here in Ann Arbor. I
1: know. I know it's
0: egregious. Number five. Give me a break. Hey, how you doing? That's Savinelli. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, Boy. Chris. Listen, <laughs> don't. no, they're going to cut us. They're going to cut us. Don't do that. T- turn it off for a second. Uh, mm, so here's the thing about Piscataway. Listen, Brandon and I have talked about this significantly over the last week, and we had every intention of getting Rosie out to Piscataway, but I think we're still a little bit snake bitten based on what happened with with Iowa and then the ensuing trip to get six hours back out there, breaking down again. Your boys have spent a lot of time this year living on the side of a highway, <laughs> and it, it has not been enjoyable. And so the idea of driving Rosie to Piscataway, which is you know essentially a ten-hour drive, and putting that on the uh, on the RV, we just you know you you're, again when your car breaks down it's a relatively simple solution. You can get somebody out there to tow it, look at it, whatever. When your 30 foot RV breaks down on the side of the road, you are, I mean, it it is thousands of dollars just to get you to a place where somebody can look at it and attempt to repair it. And so we're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars that we've spent just on towing and repairs this season. And for that reason, you know, and for a couple other reasons, you know, we're, we're gone every weekend, don't really get to see the kids a lot. And so I'm excited to sort of stay home. I feel like I've said it before. feel like I haven't really watched a football game this, yeah. this year. And to be able to sit back and watch the Wolverines play on TV, long story short, the boys are going to be hanging in the state of Michigan for the, uh, for the game in Piscataway. And for anybody that was excited to see us out there, you know, it yeah. might've been just my folks, you know, but we, trust me, it, it, this was not a decision that we came to lightly. We, we definitely wanted to make it out there for me personally personally. I wanted to photograph every single game on the schedule just to be able to say that I did that. And there were just certain factors that have, you know, that have come up. But yes, for anybody asking out there, listen, Rosie's first, first road game this year will be in Columbus. Yeah. It's going to be Columbus. How fitting to take the command center down to the shithole in Columbus and park it right out front, post it up and let everybody know Rosie's here
1: it's kind of crazy to think about that, but Michigan only had four away games. She died on the way to one. We're still (laughs) getting repaired during the other one. And now we've opted not to drive 12 hours to to New Jersey. So
0: it's a, it's a big gamble.
1: The first away game is going to be the last game of the season. There is some humor in that, but, um, and we talked about a couple other things. Like, look again, I, I, I promise I'm not trying to shit on Rutgers. I actually respect them as a scrappy feisty team. I don't, dislike Greg uh, Greg Ciano as a coach yeah but Michigan's favored by 25 26 points in this game that's another factor like if Ohio State was for some reason located in Piscataway we said we would drive it out there like it would would need to be part of part of that equation but it just turned out like you know we kind of looked at it the night game also didn't help. That's going to turn a, a, a two-day trip or a day-and-a-half trip into a two- or three-day trip because of the distance and because we're not going to get out of there until midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning. Then we're talking about, all right, are we sleeping two or three nights in that thing? Are we going to get hotels, the gas money? that like So there's there's a lot. Can we there's do that? Can we have
0: the National Guard deliver Rosie like via Chinook well, and just drop her off in Piscataway? That would be incredible. Funny
1: enough, that's not the first time we thought of that. when We, were st- we got to about hour 30. On exit nineteen, we were like, let's call Johnson and just have him bring this shit. Can we up just get
0: it? the National Guard out here to just scoop us up and take us somewhere? You know, yeah. like that's that's how desperate we were, man. We were we were out of answers when this thing was uh was parked on the side yeah. of the highway. And I think we're really just trying to uh because look, the reality of the situation is if we break down in Piscataway, either on the way there or on the way back we are missing illinois <laughs> you know i'm not really sure what's happening with nebraska and honestly i might be living in the rv if if yeah. we get to that point i mean it's getting to the point where look i love her she's phenomenal absolutely love rosie but we're going to try to take it easier on her for the rest of the season until we figure out exactly what's going on and under no no circumstance under no circumstance would i be okay with her not making the trip to Columbus. That seems like Correct. it has to happen, and we're going to protect that. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that she's there.
1: And there will be no Ohio State fans on Rosie. Don't worry about that. Nah.
0: Nope. No, 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 no. That that's is a, a
1: given. Uh, Listen, I've
0: tried to be uh, try to be kind to all of the – you know, we had a couple of Michigan oh, yeah. State fans that stopped by and wanted to check out the bus, and we've tried – that's not happening in Columbus. You're not getting on the bus. You're nah. not coming on. No,
1: nah, that, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. All right. Well, dude, I, I just, I already missed, I already missed the opportunity to make it to every game this year. Cause I had freaking COVID for, was it the Yukon game? I think UConn, so. Yeah, yeah. I am bummed out for you because th- I know that like, it might've been around that week, week two or three, you were talking about this, this bucket list of seeing every game this year, shooting them all being on the field for all yeah. 12. So I you know, know what, what it is,
0: a you know away. what it is, because I I feel so grateful for the opportunity to like pass on it when it's there in front of me. Right. It, it feels like I'm, you know, it's a slap in the face to to the opportunity because there's, you know, hundreds of people, if not thousands, that would love the opportunity to go on the sideline and shoot a Michigan football game. But again, you know financially wanting to spend time with the family. It just We kept checking the boxes, and, and yeah. every box we were checking was leading to us staying here for the game. So we're still going to be pumping out content. I'm going to be watching the game along with you guys. I'm going to be I actually we, having a couple of views this, too. This is
1: probably going to be the week of the most in-depth content we'll have all season because you're taking 20-plus hours of driving off of the table, and instead of doing that, we're going to be able to get some work done and be able to actually dive into this thing a little bit more. So yeah, there's, there's some pros and cons to it. I mean, obviously we wanted to be everywhere and Lydia throwing a big dude 77 on Saturday. You kidding me?
0: I will say this. It has been an incredible fall so far, even here in the, you know, in the, in the beautiful state of Michigan, we need to get that Tim Allen drop. I know we got the, uh, I know we got the grunt, but we need the, uh, we don't, we don't have a pure Michigan drop. Do we? Damn it. I had it on the list. Pure Michigan? Yeah, we don't have that. Drug. I'll have, cool, it. I will have it. The cool, crisp waters of Lake Michigan as the leaves turn from green to orange. Uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a phenomenal fall. I mean, today it was like 65, uh, 66. That's the best I could do for you right now. <laughs> that doesn't give the Pure Michigan vibe, but yeah, it's been – uh, that, that's Dude, incredible. 77
1: There's nothing more Michigan than a 1994 version of Tim Allen with the mullet and the feathered hair and the Detroit Lions sweatshirt. I was going to say the Detroit Detroit Lions sweatshirt. From over the fence. (laughs) That is Michigan, okay? That's Michigan in a nutshell. That
0: is Michigan. There's no doubt.
1: Everybody, thank you so much for the Wednesday night questions. As always, making our job incredibly Mm -hmm. easy. We just get on here and talk about whatever you guys say. We don't have to do anything. So we really appreciate that. And we will be back on Friday night for predictions, looking at the slate of college football across the country. And we're going to be doing it from home as opposed to on exit 36, somewhere in upstate New York. I don't know, wherever the hell we would have been stranded at. No, I mean, we we do feel like Rosie's healthy now, but it's, there's a lot that went into that decision. It wasn't lightly yeah. as Chris said. So there you go. Everybody take care. We'll see you on Friday.
0: Appreciate you, Lydia.